The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, If your virtue goes no deeper than that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. You have learnt how it was said to your ancestors, you must not kill. And if anyone does kill, he must answer for it before the court. But I say this to you, anyone who is angry with his brother will answer for it before the court. If a man calls his brother fool, he will answer for it before the Sanhedrin. And if a man calls him renegade, he will answer for it in hellfire. So then, if you are bringing your offering to the altar and there remember your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar, go and be reconciled with your brother first, and then come back and present your offering. Come to terms with your opponent in good time while you are still on the way to the court with him, or he may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. I tell you solemnly, you will not get out till you have paid the last penny. The Gospel of the Lord. Today's readings touch the nerve of really some of our most deeply held values. And I think in short, it asks the question, what do we think is good? What do we think is valuable, worthy of investment? What is just and what is fair? These aren't questions exclusively for the people of faith because really these are worldly questions and everyone's weighed in on them from philosophers to policymakers to everyone and so in the world's traditions there are maybe three major ways that we'd try and answer questions of this sort uh, the first school of thought we call virtue ethics um, this predominantly asks the question what will most make me the person i want to be what virtues will kind of form me in that in that form uh, and what vices will distort me and, and rob me of becoming the person I want to be. The overarching value really is integrity. Can I be a person? Can I be the person I propose to be? Can I be the person I desire to be? The second school of thought we might say is the consequentialist uh, school what will be the result of my behavior? Will it be good or will harm outweigh good in this course of action that I set out to pursue? Um, how might the greatest number of people enjoy the greatest good? So the overarching value then is benefit or even benevolence, but goodness really. And finally, there's the duty school of thought what we call deontology. Um, really, the question, is it right? You know, what principles are guiding me? What are my duties? What can be reasonably put up as something that I can be obligated to? And not just me, but society. You know, what, what norms govern behavior? Um, this needs discernment. And as we've seen through history, it sort of changes over time, depending on the societal needs, depending on the um, predominant philosophies or, or cultures um, that hold, hold those duties. Um, but the, the overarching value really is our autonomy. You know, you are free, I am free. As free agents, how do we then try and do 
the dutiful thing in society. Now, I think while there are these three predominant schools, um, we oscillate between the three and we might favor one over the other at different times. But really, we're called to synthesize all of them in our efforts to be good, moral people in the world. We might do these... We might do this to varying degrees of success. We might do it wonderfully some days and and not so well other days. But even if we're doing it extraordinarily well, finally Jesus comes and he shatters even our best efforts with this question or with this challenge. He says, unless your virtue surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless it is above the standard of even the highest, most, most um, scrupulous of people. Higher, you know, not unless you use a different rubric, but unless you are surpassing them, you can't enter the kingdom. This is really, really challenging. And to put it in our modern ears, let's say, unless our um, moral, uh, unless our moral efforts surpass you know, outshoot that of the the greatest philosophers, the policymakers, the gurus, um, the celebrities, everyone. We can't enter the kingdom of heaven. This really should make us shudder in our boots, if even just for a second. But I think, you know, we get a moment's peace by putting this alongside something else that Jesus has said about entering the kingdom. He says, unless you become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Still, if we recoil, uh, then we can go back to our reading from Ezekiel because they recoiled at God as well. And essentially they said something like, God, what are you even asking for? Uh, You are not just. (laughs) Um, Finally, you know, the people themselves say this to God. And this temptation might be in in people of every age because honestly we can look at the world at any time and in any place and we can think look at the state of affairs there's wars uh there's flooding locally there's poverty that seems incurable there's mental illness running rampant and getting worse by the day there's all sorts of evil everywhere and god what are you doing about it like what what are our prayers worth what What's going on here? Um, We're trying to be just, but God, we're tempted to cry out at you and say, God, you yourself, (laughs) you are not just. Insofar as this is a prayer, it's an okay prayer to offer. But if we do offer this prayer, which certainly isn't condemning God, but it is a cry of the heart, a cry of the confused, hurting heart. Let's listen to this question. Because whenever we tell God how to manage the world's affairs, I think Ezekiel's words may well be addressed to us. Ezekiel says, Is it likely that I take pleasure in the death of the wicked? It is the Lord who speaks, and not that he would repent, that he would be redeemed, that he would come back to me in love, that he'd be saved. What is it that God prefers, really? Does our God delight in the punishment of the wicked? Does he like to see criminals in prison? Does he like to see uh, justice meted out in that fashion? The frank answer has to be no. Uh, If we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus is the just 
innocent, perfect, spotless lamb who happily takes on the transgressions of all the world. He's happy to be called sinner. He's happy to walk um, the purgative road of the cross and even to absolve them of their sins on the cross. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. And not just that, they know not what they do. In other words, they're innocent to some degree. You know, they can't be held accountable because they're not in their right mind. This far surpasses any matrix of justice, any um, method of ethical behavior that the world could ever, with its most brilliant minds, conjure up. Jesus is not inviting us um, to be doctors of virtue ethics. Does he call us to be virtuous? Yes. Does he call us to um, seek the greatest good for our neighbor, for the world um, at large? Yes. Does he call us to be dutiful citizens in our world? Yes, uh, in many and in varied ways. But ultimately, are these his chief concerns? No. God's chief concern is that we would love our neighbor as he does. We would love them so radically, so self-emptyingly, that really we would gaze at the most stubborn and wicked, supposedly, of people. And we would gaze at them with his merciful eyes. And we would love them so much that we would prefer their redemption to our very life. This is that radical call which surpasses anything that uh, could be enshrined in a policy or, or in law. And so this is what we're called to, really. And we cannot do it if we do not take up our cross and follow him who goes and does exactly as he calls us to do. So let's turn to him in prayer and be filled with the grace that allows us to do just that, because that is the salvation of the world.